0: You're listening to our Southside Baptist Church podcast. For more audio content, please refer to our website. This is com. Amen. Just remain standing, if you would, for a moment. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to pick up at verse 12 today. And let me encourage you to do something. You know, Sheila and I... um, one of the things that I've said as I get older, I told Sheila, I said, I want to pray more. I want to spend more time in prayer. I want everybody to listen. There's a book called Operation World. Okay, remember that. You can order it on Amazon. Operation World. And it is a prayer guide to follow for the entire world. And so if you would like to begin to pray for the world and learn the needs of around the world, if you'll think about it, it's called Operation World and you can follow it. Now, I've been praying. I I prayed for Jordan this week. I prayed for Kazakhstan. I prayed for uh, Kenya. But I also prayed for Japan. And when I got to Japan, I'll be honest with you, I just got broken. Because I looked at this massive population there in Japan, only half of 1% attend church. And man, it just weighed on me. I mean, it just weighed on me, the thought of that. Millions and millions of people. And it just seemed like everywhere I turned, it was Japan. Well, I want you to hear me because for some of you, you may not be a strong believer. Some of you may not be a believer at all. When I got to my office this morning, there there was a letter, or a letter was sent after I came out of Sunday school. There was a card on my desk. And it was from a young family.
1: And do you want to guess where they're on their way to go as missionaries? Japan. And I want you to know, all this week I have been burdened for
0: Japan only to get a letter. My friend, let me tell you, that is not a coincidence. That is a sovereign God who alerts his family and his kids about what great prayer needs are around the world. And I've got the joy. Brent Leach... I was laughing telling Jeffrey. Brent Leach, before he went to the Dodgers, played with the Dodgers for several years, but before Brent Leach did that, he played in Japan. And uh, he's got some stories to tell about Japan. Brent Leach had told this couple, this family, said, you need to get Jeff to be involved in praying for your ministry there. He had no idea that God had put Japan on my heart this week. So I want to encourage you. The book is Operation World. It's a big, thick book. But it will revolutionize your daily prayer life. So if you can remember that, all God's people said, Amen. Now, how many of you are at 1 Corinthians chapter 9 say Amen? I want us to look at verse 12. So we're going to pick up at verse 12. Now, Paul, what Paul remembered this? Paul has had a delegation that's come from Ephesus. I mean, they've come to Ephesus from Corinth. Paul is in Ephesus where he's going to spend about three years. He's planted a church there. He's also planted a church in Corinth. Now, Paul has a delegation that comes from the city of Corinth and this church at Corinth with a, lot, a list of problems. It looked like a scroll. It was all kinds of problems. And Paul basically is answering in letter form a lot of the questions that the early believers at Corinth had. Okay, so are you with me? And what Paul basically says is, let me put it in the form of a um,
1: let me put it in the form of a principle. The Bible says all things are lawful, but not all things are expedient.
0: In other words, you and I are walking by grace. We're not walking by the law anymore. And so the reality is is that because you're a believer, because you're a Christian, you have a great deal of liberties. you have a lot of liberties. God, Jesus Christ, by his death on the cross, has set you and I free not only of sin, but set us free from the law. He said, I came not to break the law, but to fulfill it. Okay? Is everybody with me? So Paul says, you and I have a lot of freedoms, but listen, our freedoms have always got to be held in check by, uh, by our love for a fellow man. I told you last week that, you know, when I was battling with my stomach, my intestines, that uh, the doctor told me you need to drink a little red wine. So I start, started drinking a little red wine. Well, I t- in a conversation with Doug and Sandy Payne, Sandy also has intestinal issues. So I said, Sandy, maybe you need to drink a little red wine. We're eating with them in a place where you could get wine. I didn't drink any. I don't drink any public. I do it at night, and I haven't done it in quite a while. But I told her, I said, maybe this will help your stomach. And Doug and Sandy got very uncomfortable and finally they looked at each other and Sandy said, Doug can't handle it. Because when Doug was lost, when Doug was not a Christian, when Doug wasn't saved, the reality is is Doug had a problem with alcohol so we can't have alcohol in our home. Listen, I may be free to take a little wine from my intestines. I may be free to do that, but if it causes my brother to be offended, to stumble in his walk, then I can't do it. Let me give you another example. You ever been been in this situation, especially young people, you want to go see a movie? How many want to go see a movie? Probably everybody. Okay, you want to go see a movie. And so you're sitting there discussing whether the movie, you want to go see the movie, and you'll look, and, and as you're talking about this movie, all of a sudden you'll notice somebody gets real quiet. And all of a sudden, you go to this one—maybe you know three or four teenagers getting together, or maybe three or four college students. Hey, let's go to this movie. And one person says, "Yeah, I just don't know. I've heard some things. I'm I, I really I'm not comfortable with. I, I just don't know. I don't, I don't know if I need to watch this movie." I'm, and and you know they're you're, they're new in the faith. They're trying to live for the Lord. And 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 you say, oh, man, come on, let's go see this movie. There's nothing wrong with it. It's a good movie. It's got a great storyline. You're going to love this movie. Everything I've seen on it, it's gotten good reviews. It's going to be great. And this person goes, I, I, I'm, I don't know. I'm just not comfortable with it.
1: Everybody listen to me. The other three who are believers and Christians, you know what you have to do? You have to simply say, we won't go see that movie figure out something else, we'll go see.
0: Or we'll figure out something else to do. Why? Because that individual, if they go to that movie, everybody listen, if they go to that movie and they override their conscience, the Bible says for that person, it's a sin. Somebody may have a freedom in an area that you're not comfortable in and you have to say, you may have a freedom there, but I just don't. I can't do that. Does that make sense? And so, Paul, what Paul's done is Paul has spent the first part of chapter 9. You know what Paul has basically said? Paul has said, listen, I've got every I've got a lot of rights as an apostle, as a minister. I've got a right to a salary, just like a soldier does a salary, just like a farmer gets a part of the harvest, just like you can't muzzle an ox that treads the grain. Paul says, I have a right to receive an offering, but listen to what Paul says. Paul says this. I'm not going to exercise that right because of my love for the congregation at Corinth because they will misinterpret that. You may say, how? Well, if you're a missionary and you go start a new work, imagine this, you go start a new work, introduce people to Jesus, you give them Bibles, and then the next thing you go, okay, now we're getting ready to... uh," And you're out there in the middle of Bula Bula land, as as John MacArthur said, you're out there in the middle of Africa, in Zimbabwe, and, and, and you're
1: saying, Dine Mahdi... Uh, I need money, and, and, now you, and they're going, well, wait whoa, wait a minute. Maybe that's the only reason he came here. Maybe the only reason he came was to get our money. Because there are plenty of people that do that.
0: You know what Paul said? Just in case you Corinthians, where I established this church, get the wrong idea, I don't want your money. I'm not going to exercise that right, even though I have the right to ask that. I'm not going to do that. So look at verse look at verse 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 12. Watch what Paul says here. He said if others have this right of support from you shouldn't we have it all the more? He's saying other apostles, Peter, uh you know these other apostles, they have this right, so shouldn't we have this right? But watch what he says, if others have this right of support from you shouldn't we have it all the more? But we did not use this right. On the contrary, we put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel of christ let's pray again lord we thank you and we love you and we pray dear lord that you'll just use us for your glory in the name of jesus amen amen you can be seated everybody but daniel daniel you cannot be seated daniel come up here daniel's the best looking man in this congregation daniel i'm not playing man you got to come up here buddy you got to help me out let's give daniel a round of applause okay now daniel you got to turn around you got to turn around face him when I get to heaven, I'm going to look this good. But anyway, I'm going to draw you a little something. And this is what we use on the mission field, okay? And for some of you, you can't see this because you sit so far to the back. You can't see nothing. Okay, but basically, this is, uh, this is me um, and this is God. We're going to change it around here, okay? Now, Here's me, and I need to get past my sin to get to God, right? We've seen this. You've got to turn a little bit. We don't want WH to mess anything. He'll go to sleep. Okay? So here, here, here's, and this could be you. This could be somebody you work with. This could be somebody you go to school with. But your, your, your issue, and understand this where you go to school, where you live, where you work, where you, any area, your area, that's your mission field. So you're trying, to, you're trying to introduce this person, whoever that person is, to who? To God. Now the only way to get to God is what? It's through Jesus Christ. He's the only way that can get us a bridge, that can get us across to get there. So you've got to help them understand sin, introduce them to Jesus, and them repent and receive Jesus as their Savior. Everybody with me there? Okay, now let me move out here because No, you got to stay there, Daniel. you got to stay there. Okay, now here I am. Here I am, and I'm trying to get the person here to here. So I'm going to be a bridge. In other words, I'm the bridge just like Jesus is the bridge. I'm trying to bring this person to a point to where they can understand the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, and be saved. Does that make sense? Now, everybody listen closely. I'm either a bridge for people to come to God through Jesus Christ, or I'm a barrier. Does that make sense? Okay, Daniel, you just did an unbelievable job. Thank you. I'll get you, I'll buy you another box of cigars. No, I won't either. Did you smoke that cigar I gave you? You did. Okay, Okay, well, I guess I'll have to... Pay for that one day. But look at verse 12. Watch what Paul says here. Paul says, if others have this right and support from you, shouldn't we have it all the more? But we did not use this right. Paul said, I gave up a right that I have because I love the people at Corinth. We put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ. Now, everybody look this way. When Paul said we put up, some of you may see a word hinder. What he's saying is this, and we talked about it last week. I'm either a bridge or I'm a barrier. Say it loud. Barrier. I'm either wow, listen to the kids on the front row. I'm either a bridge or I'm a barrier. That's right. So when Paul says when Paul said uh we put up with it's the And Paul would go on to make this statement. You know what Paul says? Paul said, I made myself a slave to everybody. I just had a servant heart. I just began to live out the model of Jesus Christ in the lives of other people where I work, in the office, where I go to school, wherever I am. Because listen, I want to be a bridge. I want people to get a little bit of a taste of Jesus and introduce them to the good news of Jesus Christ. So I want to be a bridge. Paul said so this this is this mean in the Greek it means to quietly put up with some of the problems that come with being a Christian where you live and where you serve, right? Because the truth of the matter is is that when you and I have a servant heart and we just begin to give of our lives, Paul said he was like a poured out offering, drink offering. When we begin to live this sacrificial life, guess what? Some people take advantage of it, right? right? Have you been there and so the reality is is that Paul's saying, "Listen, I just quietly, without complaining, put up with the sacrifice of simply being a bridge for people to come to Christ. That's what I do. If it costs me, so be it. But listen to what Paul said he said.
1: Because I don't want to be a hindrance. I don't want to be a barrier. I don't want to get in the way of somebody coming to Christ.
0: Now I want you to listen to me closely. The word in the Greek is this. It's what the military did. Or when people were coming to take a city You know what they would do? They would go out and they would tear up the road. They would tear up the road so that the the invading army could not easily get to the city. What they do, they go out and they tear up the road. They begin to break it up. In the military, what we would do a lot of times years ago, this was back during the Cold War, we sat in meetings where we basically figured out how we could literally bomb and destroy the bridges so that the Soviets could not come into Western Europe. We knew every bridge, every access, and we knew what it would take to cut that access off so the enemy could not get into Western Europe.
1: Do you know what the enemy does in the lives of a lot of Christians? He makes you and I barriers so that people can't get to Jesus we become a hindrance.
0: We actually, instead of building a bridge, we're tearing up the road.
1: So that you know what people begin to say? Hey, that's Christianity. I don't want it. I mean, if that's really Christianity, I don't want it.
0: You know what Paul said? Paul said this... Paul said, I don't want to be a hindrance. I don't want to be a barrier. I want to quietly live my life with a servant heart, serving other people. And whatever I do, I don't want to tear up the road or the way for other people to come to Christ. That's what Paul's saying. Now let's read on. Verse 13, he said, don't you know that those who work in the temple get their food from the temple? Those who serve at the altar share in what is offered on the altar. In the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. Paul goes back and says, it is my right to get my salary. It is right for the people of Corinth to compensate me for what I do. Verse 15, but I have not used any of these rights. Let me ask you a question.
1: Where you are right now, what do you give up? in a way of sacrifice in order for other people to be served.
0: In your life, what do you do right now in which you're giving up a right or a privilege, you are living in such a way in the office, in school, in your community, that you're actually service, Your sacrifice is in order to bring other people
1: to Christ. Is there something that comes to mind? Anything. Paul said,
0: listen, I have a right to be paid for what I do. Paul said, watch what he goes on to say in verse 15. But I have not used any of these rights. And I am not writing this in the hope that you will do something such, such things for me. I would rather die than have anyone deprive me of this boast. Wow. The reality is, is what Paul said is this. Paul said to the Corinthian church, he said, I've never taken advantage of you I've never done anything. Though I have a right to receive an offering or a gift or whatever, Paul said, I have not taken that right. I've denied myself that right in order that the gospel might come to you and you might not discredit it in any way. Look what he says again. He says, "Um, I would rather die than be deprived of this boast. Now the word boast doesn't mean like he's going to be bragging. Look at me. I go without my salary. I make all these sacrifices. That's not what Paul means at all. You know what Paul is saying? I rejoice in the fact of the sacrifice that I make. Let me tell you something about our pastor's wife. Not bragging. But the reality is is that every year, or periodically in the year, she'll talk about giving. Now let me tell you something. I don't care what need she comes across. She's going to do everything she can to meet it. She don't even ask me anymore. Do you mind if I do this? Do you mind if I do that?
1: Do you mind if I give this? Do you mind if I? But every once in a while, she'll get excited, and I think we've won the lottery. I mean, she'll be almost giddy.
0: I know at the end of the year, she'll be almost giddy if she looks at what we give the Lottie Moon or giving or whatever, and she'll get almost giddy about it. And she'll say, "I got such good news." She'll be holding this envelope. I'm thinking, "We hit it. We hit it big. We hit it big." So. She's getting ready to give me some really good... Some wealthy person has left us a chunk of money. Teresa's is going to be doing a story on us. We just got a million dollars. Hey, I know a pastor who a millionaire died and left him everything.
1: Oh, Lord Jesus.
0: So Sheila's sitting there all giddy, excited, when all of a sudden she opens it up. She says, look how much we gave this year. Look at what we did for missions. Look what God... And she's all excited. And I go, oh man. I thought we'd run the lottery. I thought somebody had left us a chunk of money. But listen, it's not boasting. She's not boasting. She's rejoicing over the opportunity to be able to serve Christ and to make sacrifices. Is that your life? Do you get pumped? Do you get excited when God uses you in a sacrificial way to bring blessing to other people's lives, does that get you excited to where you are? You know, I look around, I see teachers in this room.
1: Boy, you're the most powerful figures, I believe, in the United States as a teacher. And every one of us have either been, a teacher is either, listen, a teacher has either been a bridge
0: that has helped us believe in ourselves and believe that we could do it, or they've been a barrier. I remember when we moved from Titusville, Florida. I was born in New York, moved to Titusville, lived all over the country. At 13 years old, a teenager moved to Yazoo City, Mississippi. And I told you, I talked like a Yankee. And I was bullied. And I remember a kid coming up one time with his mother-in-law tongue and he stuck me with it in the back, in my rear
1: end, and then he looked at all of his buddies and he laughed. And I hated, I hated living here. And one day an English teacher, high school English teacher, who enjoyed the accolades of being in the popular gang, bullied me too. In a class where the guy had stuck me with that
0: mother-in-law's tongue, where in a small town where everybody, you were somebody, if you lived in the right place, your dad had the right job, you drove the right car, you had the privilege and all of that. Hey, listen, in that moment, I'm sitting there in that English class and I literally, this is no joke, a seventh grade kid, I wet myself.
1: I was so bullied And that English teacher, I was sitting there literally wanting to sink down into my seat and hide. And the English teacher asked me a question and did not like the way I talked and began to make fun of me. I went into a dark place and stayed there for a very long time and never disclosed that to my parents. A teacher can either be a barrier or a teacher can be a bridge. And you and I can either be a barrier that keeps people
0: from coming to Christ or we can either be a bridge And Paul said this, Paul said, I want to be a bridge. And if it means that I give up some of my rights, then so be it. Verse 16, he said, when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast, for I'm compelled to preach. Woe to me if I do not preach. If I preach voluntarily, I have a word. If not voluntarily, I'm simply discharging discharging the trust committed to me. What then is my reward? Just this that in preaching the gospel I may offer it free of charge and so not make use of my rights in preaching it. You know what Paul was basically saying? Paul was saying, I take great delight, great joy in doing what I do for no, no compensation at all. What do you
1: voluntarily, sacrificially do for anybody in which you don't get any accolades and no money for? What is it? What is it? Is something coming to mind right now? Is something right now coming
0: to mind? Is there some kind of sacrifice? Are you the teacher? Are you the teacher? Hey, listen, Dr. Stan May, who teaches at seminary. Let me tell you about Stan May. Stan May, listen, teachers, kept a picture of every student and kept a, a, a biographical sketch of their family so that he could pray every day for every student, a PhD, chair of department, pray for every student at Mid-America that was in any of his classes every day. Imagine if a teacher began to pray every day, God, I just pray for this boy. I pray for this little girl. God, I don't know what situation they are in, but God, I ask you to wrap your arms around them today. God, let me be a tool. Let me be a vessel. Let me be something, dear Lord, that where I can make a difference. Does that make sense? Well, anyway, let's read on. Verse 19: Paul said, "Though I'm free and belong to no man, I make myself what? What does he make himself
1: What does he make himself? What? What is that? I mean, the idea here is a Dulas, it's a
0: slave. It's somebody that basically lives their life subservient to other people. They, they just simply have, a, have the gift of sacrificial service. They're just serving everybody for one reason. Hey, listen, I don't take the donuts to the office. I don't listen to the counsel when people are in a crisis in their life. I'm not kind and nice to people because I just want them to look at me and go, man, you're such a great person. Oh, so and so down there in the office, they're such a good person. No, I want them to say what makes them a good person is, and me to look at him and go, it's the indwelling Holy Spirit is
1: Jesus. It ain't me. It's just Jesus.
0: You see what Paul is saying here, Paul's just simply saying, I'm a poured out offering. I'm a slave to everyone. Look what he says here in verse 19. Though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave
1: to who? To everyone. Think about that. Think about that for a moment. Sheila, do you need
0: anything? Titus, are you all right? Isla, Isla, are you all right? Do you need anything? She's looking at me like, what in the world have I done?
1: Are y'all, everybody comfortable? Everybody all right? Miss Tracy, are you all right? You need anything? Can I go get you some water? Imagine that. Imagine
0: all of a sudden you left this sanctuary and you made the commitment that I'm going to be a slave, a servant to everybody. I'm just going to have a servant God heart. God just helped me to be a slave, a servant to everybody because my point is simply this. I am trying to bring them
1: here so that I can bring them here. Listen to what Paul says
0: and we won't be much longer. Though I'm free, I belong to no man. I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jew, I became of a Jew to win the Jew. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, let me tell you how serious this is. Do you know what Paul did when it came to Timothy? Timothy was out of a mixed home. Timothy had a Jewish mom and a Gentile dad. Timothy was not circumcised. You know what Paul did? He said, Timothy, he said for us to be able to reach the Jewish audience, the Jewish people, not about salvation. Circumcision doesn't have anything to do with salvation, but you know what the Bible says? Paul talked Timothy, a
1: grown man, into being circumcised. At a day when there was no anesthesia, Paul performed it. I'm sure that Timothy was going, Paul, do we really have to do this? Let me ask you something. What sacrifice, what cost have you paid to take the gospel to somebody? But you didn't get anything back, and it hurt. Paul said to Timothy, Timothy,
0: we've got to do this, and Timothy was willing and obedient, and Timothy did it. Paul said, you know what, watch this, verse 21, to those not having the law became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law. Remember that, underline that. We've been set free from the penalty of the law, but still the law is in our hearts, as Jeremiah 31 says. Listen, verse 22, to the weak I became weak to win the weak. I've become all things to all men so that by all possible means I might save some to do all this for the sake of the gospel that I might share in the blessing. Listen, listen some, of us, some of us have an agenda Some of us are more white than we are Christian. Some of us are more black than we are Christian. Some of us are more worried about blue lives matter, black lives matter. Some of us have an agenda. Some of us have something that we're more concerned about. And if you corner us, you find out what that is. Whatever that issue is, that's what we stand for. I don't mince any words. I'm this, I'm this. I wear a t-shirt. Fund the police. Defund the police. Listen, I believe this, I believe that. Let me tell you, the, the child of God is not concerned about an agenda. But if I am reaching as a white man, 65 years old, into the black community, I am not going to put. I'm not going to wear a shirt that says "Blue Lives Matter," because once I've done that, I have now chopped
1: up the road for every African American who's been mistreated by law enforcement, and I'm not hurt their heart, and I don't know their pain. And if I'm going down to speak to
0: to law enforcement, I'm not going to wear a Black Lives Matter shirt either because it's a socialist agenda. And I'm going to understand that they're the highest suicide rate, the shortest life expectancy, and the most poorest group of people paid in this city are JPD. Next time you want to
1: ridicule them and make fun of them. Teachers make a lot more than JPD officers. Let me tell you, the key to
0: taking the gospel to lost people is this. I am not black. I am not white. I'm not Republican. I'm not Democrat. I'm not Black Lives Matter, Blue Lives Matter. I'm not concerned about all of that. I'm first concerned, does this person know my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? And I don't want to wear anything, do anything, say anything, be on social media doing anything that would in any way interfere with my ability to take the gospel to a lost world. Now, when I find and I've settled and I'm sitting at a table and I know these are believers and I'm trying to talk about the struggles of being in the African-American community or whatever those problems may be in law enforcement, my friend, at that point,
1: I'm going to be talking and I'm concerned about justice for everybody, including the unborn.
0: Paul said, listen, you know what Paul said? Paul said, I became all things to all men. Watch this. I have become all things to all men so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. Now last, and then we'll close. Look at verse 24. He said, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Outside of the Olympic Games, The Isthmus Games were the second biggest rated games in Paul's day. The city of Corinth was known for the games next to the Olympics. But Paul said this to these people. He said, you don't run a race unless you're concerned about the prize. Verse 25, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. Hey, listen. Hey, listen. Everybody look this way. You ever do this? You know, guys do this. You know, get in
1: front of the mirror. Man, I'm tough. I'm know, yeah. But hey, can you imagine standing in front of Muhammad Ali doing that? And watch him cold cocky. I've watched Tom Brady. This week, and I sent this video to Ledge, I
0: said, look at this guy. The pitching machine Brian was throwing, did you see this? Throwing the ball to him, and he's throwing it back and hitting the pitching machine. He's playing football with the pitching machine. Throwing the football back into the pitching machine, catching it it, and finally the third time he throws it, it hits the pitching machine, the pitching machine tumbles over. Can you imagine me talking to him about in the football. Tom, you got it all wrong. Let me come over here. Let me give you a little bit of input. I played a little bit back in high school.
1: You know what Paul's saying? Paul said, listen, I don't run a race and I don't fight unless I'm worried about the prize. Everybody who goes to the Olympics wants to believe that they'll stand on the podium and be recognized. Now watch what Paul says, verse 27. No, I beat my body and make it my what? Make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself should be what? You know what
0: they did in the Esthmus games? You know what they did in these games? You trained and trained and trained and trained and trained. And then when you failed, if you were not on the podium... Guess what they did? They called your name out as a failure, disqualified. Some people were disqualified and their names were called out publicly. You know what what my greatest fear? Everybody listen. My greatest fear as a man of God, as a minister, is to be disqualified. He's not not talking about salvation. He's He's talking about service. In other words, you know what that word is? It means a brick brack on a
1: whatnot shelf. That's what it is. You're in the house of God. You're saved. You're going to go to heaven. But God says, can't use them anymore. Just a brick brack. You you know what I'm talking about? My dad,
0: my dad's remarried. Sweet lady, her name is Jane, Jane Gordon. She's a Parker now. But anyway, my dad, 91 years old, married a woman, 86. And and one of the things that my sister had to do,
1: my younger sister was, she began to go into my dad's house and start gathering up my mom's things. Wow, that hurts. There was a little horse, a little
0: figurine, Carolina, a little figurine that when I was about your size, your age, I went to the five and ten cent store and I took my little bit of money and I bought my mom that little horse It had this little fluffy mane. And it was a little ceramic horse. And my mom knew the sacrifice I'd made and my mom literally, um, I think she cried.
1: And all these years from the time I was a little boy, that horse was always up there. Everyone's she she's talking. My sister asked me, she was cleaning up. She said, you want that? She said, I figured you wanted. I said, Yeah, I'd like to have that. It means a lot. For those that have lost their mom or their dad, you know what I'm talking about. Those little things that may not mean nothing to nobody else mean a lot to you. God still loves you and I, but God says you're just a figurine now. Can't use you like I wanted to. Because you're not where you need to be. You're disqualified. It doesn't mean you're not saved. It just doesn't mean, it means this. It just simply means God says, I can't use you like I wanted to. Let's stand. Our Heavenly Father, we just come to You right now, Lord Jesus, we pray.
0: We ask You, dear Lord, as we look at this passage of Scripture, and Lord, we weigh
1: our own lives against it. How easy it is, Lord, to always talk about our rights, our privileges, our agenda.
0: To where, uh, dear Lord, things that identify us with being a particular political group or certain ideology, a certain belief, certain, uh, certain ideas to what justice is. And Lord, so often we are identified with everything but being a Christian. I don't want to be a 65-year-old white man. I don't want to be a conservative or a liberal. I don't want to be a Republican or a Democrat. I don't want to be my agenda, be Black Lives Matter, Blue Lives Matter, any life matters. I first and foremost want to be a child of God that is sold out to Jesus Christ, whose life is lived out as a sacrificial service to other people. And God, when I'm sitting there listening to a black man who's sitting there telling me what it feels like, to be profiled and identified as he goes through a particular area of town and to feel like without exception almost that he will be pulled over, he will be addressed in that moment. Dear Lord, may I not wear any agenda. May I just simply hear his heart. May I look at him and say, you know, that's not right, but there's a lot of things that are not right. Let me tell you about Jesus. Because Jesus is the only hope that we have. May dear Lord, when I sit and look at a law officer who's tired and worked a shift and then worked another job to try to make ends meet, and he doesn't, he's not able to take care of his financial obligations, and Lord, may I remember, dear Lord, even as Bubba Holderfield has reminded us of the officer who was shot and killed, who left a young family. Lord, may I sometimes have a tender heart toward those that are trying to do the right thing. God, may You just help me to be the Christian, the man of God that I need to be. May, dear Lord, I get away from my agendas and my plan of action, and may, dear Lord, I be so tuned in to the heart of Jesus. Lord, I think about that woman whose son was killed in an automobile accident 18 years old. That mom and dad who were just devastated. And the doctor came out and said, your son's gone, but... I have to ask you a question. He has so many organs that we can still use and one of them is his heart. Will you let us take his heart? And though that son was brain dead, his heart was still beating, still alive. They opened up his chest, took his heart. And they carried it to a man out in Denver, Colorado, a man in his 50s, early 50s. And they put that 18-year-old heart in that 50-year-old man and he had a second lease on life. Those parents began to grieve and to to struggle. Finally, that husband in desperation called the agency that had handled that transfer of their son's heart and said, is there any way that I can take my wife and us meet this man? And they said, yes. They flew to Denver, Colorado. They went out into a quiet suburb. They walked up to a home and there was that 50-year-old man by himself alone. He had sent everybody else and his family off away. That mom and dad came in with their albums. They began to share. They began to show that man everything about their son so that he would understand the sacrifice of that 18-year-old heart that was beating in his chest. That mom wept and cried, showed baby pictures. She showed uh, his ball team. She showed all of those graduation, little kindergarten graduation. She showed all of that. And Then finally, her husband said, Honey, it's time to go, and we got up to walk out.
1: The mom turned around. She just began to cry. She didn't want to leave the heart of her son. And finally, she said,
0: Sir, would you mind? He knew. He pulled back his jacket. He opened up his chest. He stuck his chest out there. And that mom, who had gave birth to that boy, leaned her ear into the chest of that 50-year-old man
1: and heard the heartbeat of her son.
0: God, may You put Your ear to our chest. May a lost world, the people, may teachers, every child that they teach, may every medical personnel, may every worker, office worker, may all of us be the people that when the world puts their ear to our chest, they hear the heartbeat
1: of God's Son, Jesus. Lord, there's a lost world. And the only way they're going to come to You
0: is when we tell them. So Lord, we pray that You reach down and You touch our hearts and that, dear Lord, none of us will be disqualified. And we pray this in the name of Jesus.
1: Amen. Amen. You come. There may never be an opportunity like this moment.